as usual, is about following a set of rules, regulations, moral code. And that's definitely part of the Christian faith as well. There are rules to live by. But that's not the starting point. That's not the heart of it. I think it's fair to say, now this is a generalization, that you get that in Islam, following the pillars of Islam is, the, is really the core of that faith. And Jesus is offering us something much richer, relationship of love. It's not ritual, although ritual, again, is part of our faith, the rites and the rituals of our faith. We need these things to structure our experience with God and order time. These are important. But again, that's not the essence of the Christian Life, not that the, the very center of it, it can help us, it, can, it does strengthen us, but that's not the main thing. If you want to look at a parallel, you can look at maybe Hinduism, again, speaking in general terms. In Hinduism, there are rites and rituals that the worshiper needs to follow that are prescribed worship to gods and goddesses. It's kind of the pagan way, and this is the, at the core. Again, that maybe is a generalization, but I think it's fair. But that's not what the Christian life is about. It is about this relationship of, of love that Christ calls us to and that Christ makes possible. So if we miss this, or as happens in my own life, we kind of forget about it and we default to, well, this is just my duty or this is just my job, and we forget the center, we're messing out on what Jesus has given to us, which can give us joy and peace, and hope. And that's what Jesus wants to give his disciples here in these, these chapters of John, these beautiful chapters, these up, this upper room discourse. He's strengthening them and wants them to know. Even though these, this dark cloud is hanging over them and he's getting ready to enter into suffering, um, that the salvation that he provides is one of joy and hope and peace, and love. At the center of it is this relationship of love. And it's something that happens not external, but within. And so Jesus gives these promises of love in this discourse, for example, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's been their helper. He's been their teacher. He's been with them for three years or so, right there at their side. That's what the Greek word that's translated here, helper, it has that connotation of somebody you call to your side to help you. And Jesus has been that for them. And he's helped them, and he's taught them about life in the kingdom of God and what it the nature of God is like. He has shown them that. And now he's going away. But he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another helper. And he will be with you always. And not only will he be alongside of you, he will be within you. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Internal. 
the Spirit dwelling within them. And he will be the Spirit of truth, Jesus says, who will, who will help you to know the truth, to remember the truth that I've taught you. When you love somebody, you speak the truth to them in love. It's sometimes a difficult thing, but to love somebody is to, is to speak truth, to give them truth. And this is what Jesus gave the disciples. And he says later on in this passage, in, uh, in verse 26, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Aren't you grateful that the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance all the things that we need to know about Christ and salvation and the nature of God? And these things are preserved for us right here in this book and scripture for us. He's the helper who will be with you and lead you and help you to remember. And so the Holy Spirit is our constant companion. This is a great gift. The Holy Spirit makes present Christ. In fact, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, 9, he, he makes an equivalence. He, he says the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. So I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit because without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Christ would be just a distant figure of the past. A distant figure of the past can influence you. A distant figure of the past can inspire you. You can study Abraham Lincoln and be inspired by his example and, and, and learn something about his life and how to do life the way Lincoln did it. You know, you can read his writings and biographies about him and that's good and fine, but you can't really encounter the presence of Lincoln. He isn't a personal presence with you now, but through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Christ becomes a present reality, a living presence in our life. You know, there's, there's a difference. This is experiential knowledge here, not just intellectual knowledge, but there's a difference between intellectual knowledge and experiential knowledge. I can tell you, I can describe to you my favorite dessert. I think my favorite dessert is the Oberweiss peanut butter sundae. <laughs> it has about 1,600 calories, that's it. So we rarely eat this thing. But uh, I'm going to in a couple of weeks because I've got an anniversary coming up, and that's what we're going to share together, the Oberweiss peanut butter sundae. But I can describe that to you. But there's a great difference between the description and actually tasting it, right? Experiential knowledge. And it's wonderful to hear somebody say, I love you, or to read the words, I love you. And that's good and wonderful. But there's another level of, of experience, or rather knowledge, if that person embraces you in their love. And this is what the Holy Spirit does makes Christ, his truth, and his love come alive experientially in our life. He dwells within us. I, I like what St. Augustine says on this passage, commenting on this promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. St. Augustine said, This promise is made to him who has not in order that he may have. If you don't have the Holy Spirit... Augustine saying, you can have the Holy Spirit by asking the Father for the Holy Spirit. And the first step of that, of course, is putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
You can't even say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. But if you're distant from God and there's no sense of this relationship with God, it starts by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and asking the Holy Spirit to dwell within. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus, repenting of your sins, asking that you might be cleansed and filled with the Spirit of God. Augustine says, this promise of the Spirit is made to him who has not in order that he may have. And then he goes on and says, it's to him who has in order that he might have more. In order that he might have more abundantly. The presence of the Spirit. The grace of the Spirit. The influence of the Spirit. And so we can ask, even Christians can ask for more of the Spirit's presence and grace and influence in our life to make Christ more of a reality in our life. So Jesus gives this promise of love, the promise of the Spirit. And then Jesus gives this promise of being with him, a future with him. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. And Jesus is saying this again, right before he's entering into his his passion and his crucifixion. And I think in the first place, what Jesus means is to these disciples, even though he's going to suffer, even though he's going to die, he's going to come back to them physically, raised from the dead. He's predicting his resurrection appearance appearances to his apostles and he says well when you see me you're going to to understand me from a a new perspective when you see me raised to new life you're going to experience life in a new way and you're going to understand me and our relationship and my relationship to God in a in a new way because he says in that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you so I am going away I'm not leaving you alone But I'm going to come back to you. And when I come back to you, it's going to be HD sort of multicolor understanding of of who I am and my relationship to God and your relationship to me and our union together. They were fumbling around with the puzzle pieces. And then after the death and resurrection of Jesus, they were able to put the puzzle pieces together again. And Jesus says... There's going to be greater understanding of of who I am after I see you. But that promise, that promise of the future, I will come to you, and because I live, you live, that promise is for all believers. Uh, That promise to know him better, to, to understand who he is and who we are in him in the future, that's a promise for all believers in Jesus. Because now we see through a a glass that's darkened, that's dim. But then one day we'll see face to face, we'll see more clearly, and we'll understand who Christ is in a more full way and and our relationship to him. That's the promise of heaven. Because he lives, we will live. Beyond this life is life with him, this great promise of love that Jesus says, I'm going to be with you in the future. I'm with you now by the Spirit, and then in a more full way, we're going to be together. And that's the great hope of heaven that strengthens us. I was reading some this week some 
writings of older saints who at the end of their life are getting near to that day when the Lord's going to call them home. And um, just reading how they were strengthened by, by their faith in this. Here's Francois uh, Mauriac, who was a French Catholic writer and poet. And he wrote this book called The Inner Presence, Reflection on a Spiritual Life. Reflections on a Spiritual Life. Beautiful writer. And he said, as he, he's thinking about the end of life, he said, death is a fearful thing because we have no experience of being outside of space and time. And that's where, where death leads. So that's a fearful thing because we're afraid of things we don't know that we haven't experienced. And, and death, one reason why it's a fearful thing is because we're outside of space and time. But, he says, my faith has strengthened me for this because through my life in prayer and through the sacraments or in other ways, I've gained a foretaste of heaven. And he said... Death opens upon a peace and joy which at times we've been granted a fleeting taste here on heaven. We've had the foretaste of the joy and the peace and the love of God here on earth through prayer, through the sacraments, through experiencing the love of God in various ways and the goodness of God in relationships and the body of Christ. And so that strengthens us as we look forward. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher in, in London. When he was 80 years old, he wrote a friend. He was getting sicker. He was nearing the end of his life. And he said, um, at this point, I'm alone and I can do nothing. But in my loneliness, there's another with me. He's with me in this. And I have hope for what's to come. The Apostle Paul, Philippians 1, for me to live as Christ to die is gain? Why? Why is dying gain? Because when I depart, I will be with the Lord. I will be with Christ, he says, which is far better, which is far better. So we have this promise of love that Jesus gives us. We will be together. We will be together. Because I live, you will live. And on that day, you will know that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Beautiful promise. These promises of love. And then Jesus calls us in this passage to answer this love with our love to him. Again, this is about an exchange of love. And the way that we demonstrate our love for Christ is how? He says it over and over again here. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me in another place. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So the evidence of our love, the proof of our love, is keeping the word of Christ and seeking to obey the word of Christ, treasuring the word of Christ, letting the word of Christ dwell in us, take up residence in us. When you love somebody, you, um, you pay attention to what they say. Or at least you learn to pay attention. You try to pay attention to what they say. You learn that love, this is me speaking about my marriage now at this point, in case you haven't figured it out. You learn that love means being attentive to the words of the beloved. And if you don't, they think something's wrong with the quality of your 
love and care for them. Jesus says, if you love me, you will pay attention to my words. You will value my words. You will treasure my words. You will keep my words. This is how we answer his love to us. And then um, he's not saying that you will merit my love. That's important. Or merit the Father's love by keeping my words. He, he's saying that love answers to love. This is the, the proof of our love for Christ. And we have to, I think, grow in this. And we have to, it's part of growth in discipleship is treasuring the words of Christ, valuing the words of Christ, letting them influence our life, our hearts, our thinking, and, and seeing the fruit of that in our life. And Jesus makes some wonderful promises here about people who do that. In verse 21, he says, um, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he, will, he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's just a, a precious promise because if you want to know Christ better, then Jesus is giving us a key here. How, how is Christ revealed to us? By loving him? By keeping his word. I will manifest myself to him, to the one who loves me this way. The, the word of Christ is something alive. It has in it the presence and power of Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So that's our connection with Christ, is his word. And then Judas, not that Judas, John makes clear, but I, I like Judas's question, not Iscariot's. But uh, the other Judas says, okay, time out, Jesus. How's that going to work? That you're going to reveal yourself to us, manifest yourself to us, but not to the world? And Jesus has been saying, the world doesn't see this, the world doesn't understand this. And now you're saying that you're going to be revealed, and how's that going to happen when the world can't see you? So Judas is thinking about, I think he's thinking something like, Jesus is going to reveal himself, or his mentality has been, Jesus is going to reveal himself, in, a, in some sort of physical, dramatic way to the world. You know, his, his background is probably thinking Moses, Mount Sinai, smoke, fire, and everybody's going to know Jesus is the Christ and this is going to happen. And So what are you talking about, Jesus, in terms of your manifestation? Isn't everybody going to see it? And then Jesus answers him, no, this is, this is how um, you're going to understand who I am, and this is how I'm going to reveal myself to you. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will take up residence in your life, and we will reveal ourselves to the person who loves us and treasures my word, and we will tabernacle with you. We will dwell with you. We'll reveal ourselves to you in that way. Now, there is coming a day where he's going to physically be revealed at the end of time. But in the meantime, this is how Christ reveals himself to those who, who are attentive to him, loving him, treasuring his words. This is creating space in our life for Christ 
to come and take up residence. There's a missionary, I've mentioned him before, um, named Paul Brand, who was a missionary to India, medical missionary. And in one of his books, he talks about different influences in his life and his growth in Christ. And he talks about, at one point, his grandma Harris, who was 80 years old when he first met Grandma Harris. By that time, she was wrinkled and crippled, and she was suffering from severe headaches, he said. But she, um, she was a person of joy and peace, Brand says. And when she would wake up in the middle of the night, she had a difficult time sleeping. She would spend hours in the night praying for her 11 children and grandchildren and just reciting scripture that she had stored up in her heart that she had memorized. And sometimes in those prayers, the Lord would impress upon her to write somebody, a pastor or a missionary, and she would write a letter and send a little check, and then a couple weeks later she'd get a letter saying, how did you know this? And she had this communication with the Lord, the work of the Spirit in her life, and God used her in that way. And uh, here's what Brand said. He said, my grandma prepared all her life for that role because she had taken time to know God and she had filled her mind with his words and she became a channel for the grace of God and she radiated his love. She radiated his love. And she's one of these people that Jesus is talking about who he said, we will come and we'll make our home with those who love me and treasure my word. And so uh, my, my challenge to us today is if we, have, if we have gotten off center in our relationship with God and we have forgotten the heartbeat of it, which is this relationship of love, here is the Lord calling us back to that. And we need that once in a while to just get back on track. And the Lord promising the Holy Spirit to us. We have the Holy Spirit as believers, but promising a greater influence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit who makes Christ present to us. Here is the Lord promising that if we take time to meditate and dwell on his word, that he will reveal himself to us in a a deeper way. And, and, And here is the Lord promising that he will dwell with those who love him in that way. And so let's think about those promises today and and where we're at with the Lord, and let's pray about that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you offer to us a relationship of love, a relationship with God that is, is one that flows from a place of love, uh, that envelops us in love and that can flow from us as acts of love to others. And I pray for us, if we have lost our focus, if we have gotten off the center of this, that you would call us, each and every one of us, back to loving you by treasuring your word, by making a space in our life for the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit through prayer, through seeking your face, This is the way of joy and peace. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.